with the interview that I've been promising people for a very long time, and I apologize for this because, again, our audio just took a crap. Um, but who I have on the air right now, I don't want to give too much information on. This interview is not being streamed on big tech social media because I'm afraid of the censorship that will come about as a result of this. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it over to you. You can introduce yourself because I don't want to give away any information that could potentially get you in trouble. Um, so go ahead and take it from here. Introduce yourself with your background. Yeah. Uh, so I am uh, a retired Green Beret. I, I served for almost eight or almost 16 years, both the infantry and also special forces. And uh, I currently run a meme page on Instagram. That a lot of people may or may not know I run it. Most people don't. Uh, the, the reason why I stay anonymous is, is for the simple fact that, you know, today's day and age, uh, putting your stuff out there, people then pick that apart instead of what the message that you're trying to get across. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, most recently now I, I work as a military contractor and I've been to a number of nations and most recently up until, uh, uh, the end of March, I was in Ukraine. So, yeah, I didn't realize because I've been following you for a while and I did not know that that's what you'd been doing. Because, um, again, you don't post your information out there. You don't let people know what's going on in the back end of things. But when you had reached out and DM me saying, hey, I was there real quick. When were you there? I, I was there in March. Most March of this year. Yes. Uh, so they they the Russians invaded at the end of February. Mm -hmm. um, we were there probably within the next week. So give me an example or give me a description. How, how was that? Like, just talk us through when you got there. How were you treated? Give us the experience, because I know you said you served, well, I imagine Iraq and Afghanistan. Af Afghanistan, for the most part, uh, some North Africa stuff, but mm -hmm. uh, mostly Afghanistan. So what was it like in Ukraine? Give me give me the play-by-play the -play of how it was once you got there and so on and so forth. I, I think the biggest takeaway is to recognize that, hey, this is a this is a major war that's going on. Um, you you can tell because the entire population is mobilized. It's not like over here where you know we're fighting these low intensity conflicts across the globe, and your average American citizen knows next to nothing about it. They really don't give a shit um, unless it pops on the news because there's a bunch of casualties or something like that. They really don't care, and it's just a blip on the radar. Mm -hmm. There, you have the entire populations mobilized. Like I was saying, um, everything is about the war effort. Uh, you know, 18 to 60 year old men are not allowed to leave the country, nor do a lot of them want to, um, e based on how they see themselves, uh, you know, as, as it, there's a lot of warrior culture that's present. Um, and I've never seen that before. in a lot of the countries I've been to where, you know, to compare it to Syria, uh, the first sign of trouble, all the men just left, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they didn't want to be impressed into Assad's military or they didn't want to fight for ISIS or, or what have you. But uh, we were watching men take their families to the border, mm -hmm. have their family cross the border into Poland or, or uh, Romania, and then turn around, go back and rejoin their unit. Like mm -hmm. that, that, that type of patriotism and um, clarity, mission clarity, it, you, it was very, very hard to find throughout my military career. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it was there and it was actually inspiring. So once, give me, give me a, like your day one on the ground. What was that like? Uh, so our, our, our day one, I mean, it's just like anything, you, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out, Hey, what the hell's going on and what do we have to do? And, and I can't go into a lot of specifics, mm -hmm. uh, how we got there or anything like that. I, I don't mm -hmm. want to, I don't want to do that, but, um, you know, you're just trying to figure out, Hey, who, who is who and, and how can we use them to accomplish our mission? 
Um, but the generally the Ukrainian people are are, are pretty pretty accepting the fact that there's a lot of people in there that are that are either there to help some people are there to grandstand you know mm-hmm. that's a whole nother uh onion to peel back in that sense but oh i'd love to go into that like, uh, absolutely yeah and then of course you know there's there's people there to exploit it too yeah uh, there, there's a lot of folks there that 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 are exploiting it and some people that aren't even thinking about the next stage and you know there's going to be a greater human trafficking issue across all of europe um, you know, you have uh, you have women and children that just fled a war zone and are in desperate times and need a lot of stuff. Uh, there's going to be people there that are going to exploit that, just like you know, it's not not co- not completely unlike the uh, southern border. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when you got there, um, were you kind of operating on your own, saying, "Okay, this is what we're going to do," or were you working in league with the Ukrainian military? Like, how did this work? Uh, so, since we were private, um, we were working for our clients. Okay. Um, so, uh, our, our primary mission is that, uh, now based on guys' backgrounds, uh, we know a lot of the Ukrainian military, mm-hmm. um, just because either they served in units that train them, um, or they have people that they know that are still in that can, can connect us. And we were, we were leveraging a lot of those relationships in order to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, you know, the Ukrainian military is... You know they're they're stressed, but it, it's actually unique to watch uh, how accepting they are to try and help people out, mm-hmm. uh, especially when they they know that hey you you know we were there basically on a humanitarian principle, mm-hmm. um, so once they knew that and we, they were very accepting and trying to help us out as best they could. Mm-hmm. There were some reports of uh, U.S. veterans going overseas to join into the Ukrainian military to become fighters, and they said they were mistreated. They were just kind of used as human shields. They were said, you know, here's an AK with some rounds. Go over there. Was that your experience at all? Did you see any of that over there? I saw them. I, you can pick them out like a sore thumb in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, you can pick them out in Romania when they're trying to cross. Uh, a lot of those guys were given interviews to CNN on the way in. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of really cringy shit, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you, you, you see it. And, uh, and quick, like, before uh, we continue being, we got to keep in mind that you and I have experiences in these areas. Civilians don't, when you say cringy shit, give me examples of that because people are like, what is he talking about? Cause yeah. you know I know what you mean, but I want yeah. the civilians to pick up on what you're saying so they can have a better understanding. Uh, I, I would describe it as this, uh, you know, you went into the five eleven catalog or store. Mm-hmm. And you just bought the first couple things off the rack. You have no idea the functionality of any of the equipment that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're wearing it around. You you kind of look like a, a walking billboard. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's cringy shit. Like mm-hmm. uh, anytime you're you're in a war zone, what you want to do is not look like something that stands out. Right. Um, and these guys are walking right in uh, to Ukraine and mm-hmm. they're willing to accept you because, I mean, hey, they need the manpower. Mm hmm. And uh, they're walking right in there and they look like a walking, uh, you know, tactical billboard. Right. Is the best way to describe it. And they're also giving interviews. Meanwhile, their pictures being taken by who knows what kind of uh, news agencies. Mm-hmm. And if you want to not connect the dots, uh, then that's up to you. But I would like to connect the dots. And I would say that uh, the people to the far, far east, mainly Russia, are probably had a category or categorizing every single person walking in there with a Western face and uh, a tactical billboard. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think about the first week we heard about um, some news reporters were uh, rolled up by Polish secret police um, for uh, transmitting data to the Russian Federation on who's who's walking in and out of the mm-hmm. border. So essentially, you can't trust anybody. 
I, I wouldn't. Uh, not right. in that type of situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, and I would try to be as low profile as I could if I were to ever go back. So I think like a common idea, a basic idea, like, okay, let's do some research on what Ukrainians are wearing and then probably buy something once you get boots on the ground very similar, and that way you can blend in. Is that what I'm guessing? Yes, yes. Okay. And I would use the uh, I would use the COVID issue as, hey, I'm going to wear a mask at all times. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Why so not? You saw these reports going in. You saw these guys sticking out and stuff like that. But for you personally, you were operating as a contractor. So it was a little bit different for you because you had an intent. You knew what you were doing, I assume. Yeah, we we did. Um, we, we had a good idea how we were going to get in there mm-hmm. um, ahead of time. And we knew how to look. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew, hey, this is this is what we're working for. And it had nothing to do with Russia. We we could care less about Russia. You know, was, at that point, it was mm-hmm. we're trying to avoid Russia. We right. wouldn't want nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think you you also you kind of hit on the uh, the American Legion or not the American the Foreign Legion aspect mm-hmm. of Ukraine. Yeah. If you go in there, um, you're you're swearing an oath to the Ukrainian uh, nation, just like un, not un, unlike the one that we do when we take an oath of office or or enlist in the U.S. military, yeah, they're going to take your passport. You are their property. You just oh really? Them. Yeah, I mean you're you're not going to leave. You have a term of service, just like uh, you would be in in the U.S. military. And if you were to leave that, you'd be AWOL. Right. I did. I wasn't aware they were taking passports. They were actually doing that. Yeah. Uh, the, certain. I think there's also there's also a vetting process that they do mm-hmm. because they're trying to figure out are you are you full of shit? Yeah. Uh, did you actually serve anywhere? Uh, what capabilities do you have? What training is going to be required of you? Yeah. And a lot of these guys are just showing up with none of those things. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, they're like, well, you're you're going to go to the front because, yeah. you know, hey, it's a meat grinder right now. We're at stalemate and yeah. uh, the war of attrition. So mm-hmm. we need people up there and, and you seem like uh, not exactly right in the head, nor do you have the qualifications. <laughs> so you're well, going to no, go up there. You, you make a really good point, though. If you don't have any skills that can be utilized in a different capacity, then, yeah, guess what? You're going infantry and you're going to the front. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, What is it, the old full metal jacket? 0311 infantry pile. Yeah. Like, get your ass up there. So can you give me any specifics or generalities in regards to where you were operating at in Ukraine? Uh, y- yes and no. Um, okay. I-, I stayed mostly in the West. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we had we had we had folks uh, throughout the country though that were mm-hmm. moving. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. I just mean you specifically because I don't want to give away any of you know anything that'll get you in trouble. But for that reason, did you ever engage in direct conflict with the Russians? No. No. Okay. Absolutely not. And uh, and that's actually mission accomplishment for us. Right. Because that wasn't. Co- uh, and here's I'm I'm trying to dance around this because like I said I don't want to get you in trouble. But can you go more into what your role, like you were, you were an advi- you, I assume you were in an advisory role over there. Mm-hmm. Or, or was it more like data collection, reconnaissance or things like that? It, it, this would be, it was an extraction. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so. It, it was, uh, it was moving people out of harm's way that, that gotcha. uh, either couldn't do it themselves mm-hmm. or, um, uh, were seen as, as vital to be moved. Right. And again, your capacity was not in the U.S. military. You were a private contractor. So I just want that to be clear to people to where it's like, oh, this guy was in the military. It's like he was retired Green Beret. But you were over there basically as, uh, not to be insulting, but as a mercenary. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what the Russians want to paint every single foreigner that goes in there as. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then it, it looks like the Ukrainian cause is, is, is null and void. Right. Um, it's the same way we would paint... Uh, 
a Russian PMC or, or military contractor as Wagner. Mm-hmm. You know, they commit a lot of war crimes. There's a lot of bad blood that goes on there. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is the wave of this. Is, this is where warfare is going now. Um, you know, you see the, the the private military contracting business side of the ass, side of the house is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good books that, that people can read that this is the wave of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how war is going to be conducted because a lot of nations don't want to yeah. invest their politics, yeah. especially at home. In I mean, it's been this way since the dawn of time, though. Romans were big on outsourcing, outsourcing military roles to mercenaries and things such as that. So, I mean, it's I get what you're saying, because that way you don't have to put American men and women at risk. You're getting paid way better. Um, yeah. So so I'm going to go back to when you actually got there. This is when the invasion was kicking off, correct? Yeah, they had been uh, probably about five days in. Mm hmm. So what was it like being there when you know Russians are pushing in there? Like, what was what was the feelings around? Like, can you give me like a day to day? Like, you wake yeah. up. What what's it like? So uh, the the biggest thing is to to the biggest thing that 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 we understood is hey we're we're on the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, you know, I, every intel assessment said that a within forty eight to seventy two hours Kiev was going to fall. And that the Ukrainian military wasn't going to be able to stand up to it, um, but while we were there, you could see that they were they were they were holding they're holding their own. Um, you know, did, did the Russians have a, a numerical advantage? Did they have a technological advantage? Yes, they did, uh, but they couldn't measure the Ukrainian will at that point. Yeah, because that's definitely been something that even I got wrong. Because I was like, Kiev is going to fall. Like, there's no way they're going to hold. And here they are. Um, we are like what two months into this war, and they've still they've held. Actually, I think with yeah. Russia withdrew, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, they they withdrew from everywhere around the the capital. Um, mm-hmm. But just to answer your question, like day to day, we felt like we were on a stopwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were like, hey, we got to get this done. We got to we got to be out of there before they cut everything off. Legitimately. Um, oh, okay. yeah. Yep. So that's, that's what it was a race against time. Mm-hmm. And then as things started to stabilize, we kind of realized like, Hey, we, we're not exactly racing against time right now mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, yeah. Stuff could get worse, but it looks like the Russians had, you know, they, they had ran out of momentum and uh, you got to give the Ukrainians a lot of credit. They were hitting them exactly where we trained them. Um, it, they're hitting them in their logistics. They were, uh, can you give me a description of, say, for example, a common battlefield? Are we talking about urban warfare? Are we talking about out in the fields of, like, Gustav's going at it with armor? Like, well, give me a, a brief idea. Paint me a picture of what it was like over there uh, from what you heard or gathered from Ukrainian fight against Russia. What was it like? It's, it's, a, it's a mix. Um, okay. the, mostly, though, it's, it's exactly as you picture it uh, in a European battlefield outside of an urban zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you have... Uh, Guys laying anti-armor ambushes with with exactly that. Carl Gustavs, mm-hmm. javelins, in-laws, small teams, six to eight man, that are that are doing anti-tank ambushes and just hammering them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and legitimately, you you know the I, you could tell that the Russians started to figure it out, but it was it was just too late. They had already walked into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they had committed the amount of armor and, and resources there, it, it, it's where it's at today. But, uh, you know, it, it, you got to take your hat off to 
to the Ukrainian military. And I, I know we're going to kind of go into the political aspect. <laughs> know you know me too well, yes. <laughs> and that, that's fine. And I generally agree with you in most of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it was really inspiring to watch mm-hmm. a, a culture that honors warriors mm-hmm. and warrior culture and, and society, I should say. Mm-hmm. And that be on display for what it could accomplish if properly uh, channeled le- legitimately. Uh-huh. And, uh, you, you know, the, the, the Ukrainian military, you, you, you look at the numbers and you look at the technology and like I've already mentioned, like you can't, you can't put on paper, Hey, this is what will and motivation can accomplish. Right. Um, and I know we, we talk about that in the U S military. We're like, Hey, you know, you gotta make sure the the boys are taken care of that. They bought into the mission that, uh, you know, they're, they are inspired by their leadership, that their leadership is actually taking care of them on a, on a, on a whole soldier approach. But, you know, if our country was invaded, I, I'm not so sure that, that we would be able to stand up the way that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, of course it's, it's fallacious to call to draw parallels, but, right. uh, I, I just don't know, you know, I, I couldn't tell you that, that if, uh, so you know the Chinese beach landed in in L.A. What would happen? I couldn't tell you that, that we would push them back into the sea. I, I just don't. I don't know. You mm-hmm. know, there's not going to be a uh, a territorial defense force that's going to stand up the way that it did in Ukraine. I mean, um, I, I hate to compare the two, but it, that's what I was thinking about on a day to day basis. I was like, hey, I don't know if we could do this. Maybe right. maybe in some areas, like uh, you know. Uh, it just depends. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure half of San Francisco would just run to the hills. How do you think most Ukrainians on the ground over there feel about Americans getting involved in the funding and the uh, the, the support they've been given? I think they personally feel pretty good about it. Um, I think the main issue, what I noticed, is that they're not seeing it besides some new tech and some new weapons here and there. They're not really going to see a lot of that mm-hmm. at their level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's actually something I'm concerned about is, you know, yeah, you can send 40 more billion dollars in, um, which apparently that's what we're going to do. Uh, but how much is that is actually going to make it down to the tactical level where, where the war is actually being fought? Exactly. Um, I, I don't know how much of that's actually going to make it down there because yeah, U- Ukraine is a corrupt nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you witness any of that? Or is it just kind of like what hearsay of the civilians would say or? We, we witnessed it. Uh, Can you give me examples? Um, well, I, without giving names. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to also, there's, there's some other stuff there. I don't want to, I okay. don't want to pull it out, but he, here's what I'll say. Um, it's just like it, it would happen in an American city too. Okay. For the right price, anybody can be bought. Kind of like similar to Iraq and Afghanistan. A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. yeah the- if you, if you look at some of the boondoggles that are going on in, in Afghanistan or Iraq, mm-hmm. um, some of these deals that are being negotiated for, mm-hmm. you know, people's, uh, resources, services, whatever. Um, yeah, there's, it, there's a corruption factor everywhere. Okay. So uh, then people that are making these claims that, you know, and these, this, these are things that I've said as well, because when you look into the research of it, that Ukraine was listed as one of the most corrupt governments in the world. And it's not saying that, Oh, like America's special. No, America's pretty bad too. But it's basically the issue that I take that I feel a lot of taxpayers are taking is that if there's no oversight 
if there is no accountability, we are potentially essentially funding rich people to get even richer people in power that are taking this money. And it's like you said, it's not making down, making it down to the tactical level. It's not getting back into the hands of civilians to help them out. I mean, it's very similar to Iraq and things such as that. You put these people in these, in these ministries in charge, you start funding them and they come to find out the money never made it where it was supposed to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think, uh, Rand Paul, um, yeah. he hit the nail on the head the other day. He's like, Hey, let's, let's have a third party accountability agency with this. Like, how do we put that together? Mm-hmm. And that that is the absolute solution. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if if we want to compare it to Afghanistan, you know, they have the Government Accountability Office. I, they would uh, they would publish a report almost uh, I think it was annually to show exactly where the money was going. Mm-hmm. I don't know who read that. <laughs> I legitimately don't know who read that. I would look at it because I'd be like, huh, where's all the money going? I'm yeah. seeing a lot of stuff going on, mm-hmm. and it's like an iceberg. Everything's below water. Yeah. What you see above water is just a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be the same thing in Ukraine. There is no accountability for where all the money's going. There, there's none. And if you write a blank check to a corrupt nation, you can expect it to be corrupted. Right. In regards to that, like we talk about NATO support, what did you really see NATO's role over there as? Did you see a lot of NATO getting involved over there as far as providing troops and things such as that, or uh, excuse me, not troops, other people from foreign countries coming in there to fight alongside of you? Or did you, what, what, what kind of NATO support did you actually see? Uh, you, you really, the only stuff you're seeing uh, is the weapons. Okay. Um, the weapons and the ammo, for sure. Uh, you can you can see that. Um you know, you, you, you can see that pretty clear. Um, the, the, the people and stuff like that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of Brits, a lot of, uh, Germans and, and, uh, a lot of Nordic folks that are, that are filtering in there just because they want to fight the Russians. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's an ideological battle here <clears throat> that's obviously at, at play and you know, it's who, which side is fascist. I, I don't, I don't particularly know. I would say that the Russians are more fascist than the Ukrainians, in my mm-hmm. personal opinion. Um, here, here's Ukrainian. It, they just want to pivot west. Mm-hmm. They want to have more ties with the west. And the Russians are trying to control that. Uh, mm-hmm. That seems like a more fascist thing out of the two. Um, and they want to call the Ukrainians Nazis. That's fine. You know, is there? Did you, did you have any eyes on the Azov battalion or anything linked to that? No. Uh, never saw any of those guys. My understanding is they were all in Mariupol, which mm-hmm. was already cut off at that point. And actually, it wasn't cut off yet. Um, they were still fighting down there uh, mm-hmm. in the in south uh, uh, southeastern Ukraine. But uh, I never I never saw any of that stuff. I never saw any Nazi symbols. Sorry, can't can't confirm to all those people that are that are dying to hear about you know what kind of, <laughs> what kind of SS memorability I brought home. But sorry. <laughs> well, no, because you know Vladimir Putin had basically made accusations trying to levy Nazism against uh, Ukraine, saying we are going to denazify it. And you know there were reports were actually accurate when you see these images of the Azov Battalion actually being. Um, constructed into the National Guard, supported financially by the government, which is like, that's that's a big deal. It'd, yeah. be, it'd be one thing to where it's like, hey, you know, if America gets invaded and then suddenly the Ku Klux Klan stands up a militia, it's like, okay, well, that's not federally recognized, but I get that they want to fight. But then it takes a different role when suddenly they start receiving federal funding. It's like, wait, now you're being recognized. Now you're being given power. That's a little different ballgame there. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think how the Ukrainians break it down is this, you know, Zelensky is a Jew. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's that's not a hidden fact or anything like that. Uh, Zelensky's a Jew, and hey, we're we're fighting for our survival, so any help matters. Yeah. Uh, we'll deal with the hatefulness and yeah. the, uh, whatever these guys' political ideology is on the back end. Right. Um, and th- I think that's what ended up happening. There were, you know, some reports of reforms. Uh, they were trying to change out some of the symbology. But we also got to look at the historical aspect. Um, you know, there was a Ukrainian SS unit that fought for Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the symbology connects directly to the Azov Battalion now. Um, but also some of that symbology is inherently Ukrainian uh, symbology that goes back to probably the 1200s. Of course, some guy's going to be like, well, actually. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I want to believe it's like in the 1200s. And the the Russians are doing the same thing. They're trying to evoke the old uh, World War II vibes where yeah. communism is fighting Nazism and the, the, the people to the uh, west of us are not to be trusted and they're all Nazis. Right. Um, so that, that's a way for him to motivate, you know, for lack of a better term, his the dumb part of his populace to sign up and go. Right. Do you do you feel like there was just a, a, a large amount of conscription when it came to the Russian military? Because there were reports out there saying that there was a lot of Russians that didn't want to fight. Troops were abandoning their posts. They were punching holes in their gas tanks to uh, disable their tanks. I mean, do, how much truth do you think there is to that? The, some of that is propaganda. Okay. Uh, uh, but uh, some of that is 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 pretty accurate. Uh, we were hearing reports that uh, they were refusing, specifically the Russian Marines were refusing to um, disembark their ships and do a beach landing uh, in vicinity of Odessa. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did hear about that, uh, that they almost had a mutiny on board. And I, I can't, I can't confirm any of that. Uh, okay. But uh, no, there, there, there was also a large number of conscripts that were sent in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that first wave, do you think? I, it seemed like it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you did also have a lot of the professional force that went in, um, for, for key targets, uh, specifically right. the Hostomel, uh, airport. I, I remember, uh, maybe you recall this, but, uh, they tried to conduct, uh, mu- numerous daylight air assaults yeah. and land, uh, a, it, basically an entire, uh, a Russian airborne regiment and seize the airfield and mm-hmm. uh, it didn't work out so well for them. Mm-hmm. So, but in the, a lot of their armor formations, they did have a lot of conscript uh, soldiers that were involved there. And, and uh, you know, the, their performance speaks volumes. Yeah. Uh, anytime you have a, a, a lack of an NCO core and you have a, a high reliance on conscripts, they're not going to p- perform well. Uh, yeah. Historically, the Russians should know that. You look back at Chechnya. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you look back at uh, some of their uh, conflicts in Georgia as well, that their conscripted army is just not going to, it's not going to work out. It's kind of like you just see them throwing numbers, like we can overwhelm them in numbers, like that's not always the case. But I do, I do got to ask you this, though, because you're ex-military as well. When did you enlist initially? 2005. Okay, so I was back in 2001. So we were both in the same time frame. We were brought up um, always hearing about the Soviet capabilities. It was always Russia and China, Russia and China, as well as the Middle Eastern wars. Knowing now and seeing how Russia has performed, I have this weird sneaking suspicion that Russia is holding something back. And it, I, it's not me being afraid of Russia. It's not me saying that 
you know, you're just, you're just a Russian supporter, but it's like, I feel like there's something here. Like this was, I I don't want to say too easy Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to make it light of what the Ukrainians have accomplished, which is incredible. Don't get me wrong, but it just feels like for all the chest thumping they have done, um, when they're still rolling in T-55s and T-72s, I'm kind of like, wait, this is what you've got? Like, this is this is weird. I I was in the, the same school of thought as you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have since changed. What do you think now? So, so now uh, I think that the reason why we have played up the Russian threat so much is because for, for two main reasons. It keeps our guys training hard. Mm-hmm. Thinking that hey, if we ever go to war with these guys, like you know, we got to be on, we got to be able to actually fight them. Yeah. And the other aspect is the military-industrial complex of the United States. Mm-hmm. So we don't buy, we don't, we don't buy new tanks if there's not a threat out there, right? A legitimate one. So if if we're looking at the Russian military right now and we're going, oh, these guys, man, they kind of suck. Then why are we investing in all of this new technology? Who are we trying to stay ahead of? Well, right. then you could always pivot to the Chinese, of course. Yeah, but I think that's what it is. And there, there came a point in March of this year when the Russians had lost. You know, I don't know, remember the exact number, but we were even thinking about it. We're like, hey, when are they going to roll out the new stuff? When's yeah. the new stuff coming? Yeah. Because all the intel assessments were kind of leading towards, well, they're going to use this crap because. They thought it was going to be easy. They're going to use this crap because they, you know, they're yeah. just trying to overwhelm the Ukrainians and they'd rather use the Expendable. old stuff up. Yeah, exactly. But at some point, it, you know, once they realize, hey, we're not going to get Kiev. Um, we're not looking so good in the east right now. Like we, we're, we're at a stalemate. Any any other military would, would unleash the new stuff. You know, let's get our new wonder weapons in. You saw this in World War II with Hitler. Um when the v2s and right right we're going to shoot all this random stuff out there because we're trying to find anything that might get us uh you know a foothold give us some leverage get us the momentum back and i mean realistically i i i don't think they their new stuff just is not ready it's not ready they can run it they can run it in a military parade over and over and over and probably drive around the block and make it look like it's a hundred of them Mm -hmm. but uh it's it's just not ready and i think i think the bear was a cub you know, legitimately. That's just so crazy to hear. And I'm happy to hear you say that. Like, don't get me wrong. And I, I'm, I'm certainly hoping it's true because I'd had conversations with Crenshaw about this. And he was giving us, in a, in a lot of his briefings and stuff, he was talking about the intelligence he was getting about Russia. And he's like, yeah, this was a massive, um, they overplayed their hand. And it's like, Jesus. It's like, But at the same token, how inaccurate has our intelligence been in regards to what their capabilities were? Because, yeah, General Miley, as much as I detest, go out there and predict, make these predictions, as did we all as far as the fall of Kiev and, you know, when Ukraine would fall and then come to find out like not even, you know, 72 hours later, he's like, Oh yeah, this could actually take years. It's like, wait, so the intelligence we've been gathering has been bogus. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but nothing sells more tanks, John. Yeah. Nothing. That's true. Nothing sells more tanks, more F 35s, more F 22s mm-hmm. than having a legitimate threat. That's not afraid to be used. Yeah. You know, parked just outside Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was with you until, you know, the the onion peeled back in the on the Russians legitimately. Yeah, I want to go back to what you were talking about grandstanding and people utilizing the situation for their own purposes and, and selfish needs. Give me some examples of that. What, what did you see over there? Uh, I didn't personally see anything. Uh, what what I did see was on social media. Okay. Um, and like like what? So you you get you got people. Uh, you know, they're trying to trying to tag uh 
geotag themselves, you know, in outside Kharkiv, yeah. you know, fighting Russians, uh, look at me type culture. You know, yeah. you, you got that. Then you also got people that are uh, they're going back to Kiev and they want to take pictures with all the tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, stuff like that. It's a typical social media kind of clout thing. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, it, you know, some some hater is going to tell me I'm doing it, but hey, man, I'm anonymous for a reason. All right. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want any glory. I I want to put some information out there. Um, I want to influence uh, people to do the right thing, and and I stick to the the quiet professional aspect of that mm-hmm. when it comes to 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 this job, and and my lifestyle. Right. Like, I'd rather not be out there, but some people want to be out there and they want to gain off it. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, combat cosplay going on. Yeah. Where they actually never fight in the war. They just go over there. They take a lot of pictures. War tourism. Yeah. Uh, we we saw it. We saw it in our own military. Yeah. Um, where you know guys are flying out to bases because they they get rocketed every week and they're trying to get a war. Uh, a war award or, or yeah. some sort of combat action badge or something like that. And you're like, come on, man. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of that in Iraq and Afghanistan. Saw that firsthand as well. You're 100% right. I actually had a, a dude that I'd served in um, Iraq with, and we hadn't spoken in years, but we were still Facebook friends. And the next thing I know, he's posting that he's in Ukraine. He's tagging locations, he's taking pictures. And people are praising, and I, you know, it, my opinion is, and you know where I stand. It's like, like, hey, if you want to do it, by all means, go fight. You know, I'll give you props for that. It's like, but I don't think America should be involved. But the question that I had was that was kind of like, you're tagging yourself in all this stuff. It's like, your uniform looks really clean. Your boots look really clean. Your weapon, which is good, is really, really clean. It's like, are you actually fighting? And he never, he never answered that. And I'm just kind of like, okay, okay. That's probably your answer. Yeah, 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 I, and it's always going to be that type of stuff. And I was seeing that on social media, even, even while, uh, while I was there, I'm just like, wow, man. Okay. Um, well, we're, we're not going to do any of that. <laughs> I get, you know, I, there's a difference though in what you were doing as far as contracting than those that I feel like a lot of veterans stepped up because they saw this as a way to recapture the identity that they had to leave behind when they left the service. The last time they served in Iraq or Afghanistan, they saw this as like a new way to, or an old way to kind of fit back into that, that uniform in a sense, that metaphorical uniform. But the problem that I saw though, and you, you of all people know this is like, look, you are fighting for a very corrupted government. And if we go back into the political aspect of the political spectrum of this, you know, this is not our war. We look at what the Obama administration helped facilitate. You looked at the coup back in 2014. You look at the violent overthrow. You looked at democratic elections being null and void, and now you're using a coup with authoritarian means to impose new leadership that's more pro, more more pro Western versus Russian. So it's like this is this is like where the case of they're all bad. Like you're not fighting for the good guys. You're just fighting to fight. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're. I don't, I agree with you actually. You, would, would you say that's, I mean, you know, I, you feel free to disagree. I mean, it, do you think that's accurate? I, I think that, I think that there's two things really at play there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people are, are seeing it as a personal gain. Right. Um, so, that, you know, like, Hey, I, I can go over here and, and people are going to give me props. Just like you were talking about reconnecting, you know, maybe they, they serve in the Marines and never got to deploy. Now this is their chance type yeah. thing. It, it's possible. Um, and and yeah, that that sentiment is probably there, uh, more than likely there. But um, and yeah, they also need to understand that hey, you're fighting for a government that isn't exactly the cleanest of hands. Yeah. Um, now, 
Do I support them against Russia? Yes, I do. Yeah. Do I believe that U.S. troops should be involved there? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not our battle. Um, it, it could be our battle, but it it would only be our battle if, if Ukraine was actually NATO. Yeah. Um, and and it, or is Russia able to, to, to wage war in Poland or into the Baltic? At this point, no. No, yeah. they can't. They, they've, they've already... They've already put their cards on the table. We've seen yeah. them, and they've been found wanting in that regard. Um, and that's just still mind-blowing to me because now they're making threat. Like recently, I think last 24 hours, they fired on a Israeli missile that was aimed at Iran for a ta- retaliatory strike. It just feels like there's so much going on on the global scale in a military way that it's like, Jesus, like, is this is this like the prep for World War Three? Like, are we escalating to a point now where it's literally that Spider-Man meme where, like, everybody's pointing at everybody's like, well, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you if you look at a lot of the planning exercises that the military does, um, they all have these type of conflicts where mm-hmm. it, it starts with a regional conflict, then uh, global powers start to get involved in it, either financially, uh, resource wise, maybe even troops, and then it just grows. I mean, what's to say one of the NATO nations doesn't commit troops to Ukraine? Exactly. Uh, and then once that happens, yeah. You know, you're going to tr- trigger Article 5 because now they're in direct conflict with Russians. Mm-hmm. Um, but and especially with the, the current power vacuum in, in Washington, D.C. for leadership, um, you, you, there's just no way to, to really know what's going to happen. Um, but I, I, I still think that it'll stay regional. I think a lot of this is just saber rattling from the Russians just because, hey, they're, they're losing. Yeah, that was my next question, dude. With your military experience, and you've got quite a lot of it, where do you see this going as far as Ukraine versus Russia? What do you see happening? I think they're uh, they're already there. They're in stalemate. What do you uh, think is going to be the outcome of that? Russia's going to withdraw, or what do you think? Uh, I that I well, I mean, my my guess is that the Russians will continue to commit uh, resources and combat forces to this fight throughout the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are in a, they're in a stalemate. It's, uh, not unlike us trying to fight Taliban in Afghanistan in that sense that yeah. they have the watch. The Ukrainians the have the watch. They got yep. the time. They're, they're on home ground, home ground. They're cool mm. with sitting in trenches and, and lobbing artillery back and forth because the Russians are the ones that are, that are playing the away game. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're the ones that are spending all the, the, the resources that they frankly do not have. Yeah, I was about to say, because the economic disadvantage Russia is now facing plays a major role in this conflict to where they've got the world essentially fiscally or economically isolating them. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 100 percent right there. Like they they only have so much time. They -hmm. only have so much ammunition. They only have so much manufacturing capability. Um, And, you know, the gravy train for the Ukrainians is going to stay open for at least now. Um, And it's just going to keep funneling in there. And the more that funnels in there, the the less likely Russia is to break a stalemate. They 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 seem unable to coordinate attacks. They seem unable to communicate properly with each other. Um, they they seem unable to mount a offensive and logistically support it. I mean, these are these are tenets when you look at military operations that they they're just failing at. Yeah. We, we can't do anything unless our logistics yeah. is able to be secured. And we have uh, control of the skies still still contested there. 
Yeah, that was another thing that we saw images of that essentially Russian columns or Russian convoys were getting bogged down due to lack of maneuverability uh, regarding saturated terrain. For anyone that doesn't know, um, like Bradley's tanks, things such as that, tread vehicles, you get that on open ground that's wet, you're going to be dealing with some problems because if that ground is not hard enough, you're going to be doing what they call throwing track where it, it basically falls off the sprockets and now your tank's immobile or, uh, yeah, immobile. And there was a lot of, I don't know if this is true or not, but they were saying that that 40-mile-long convoy basically hit that because due to rain, things such as that, it essentially just hamstrung the convoy and a lot of resupplies couldn't get to where they were supposed to go. Yep. Yeah. He, uh, he chose incorrectly for his timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I were to plan an invasion of Ukraine, I would go while the ground is solid, yeah. i.e. frozen, um, especially if you have forces that are properly outfitted to fight in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that was part of it. The other part was, uh, um, the, the lack of coordination there, you know, anytime you set up uh, supply, you have to, they have to move from a to B, but B has to be ready to accept the vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you have to have crews out there ready to download them. Yeah. You, you also have to have security at that site. And they didn't have any of that. Yeah. Those small little intricate details definitely play a major role in being able to expand and continue pushing forward. And so that, those are really good points you're bringing up that I feel like a lot of civilians, and to be honest with you, a lot of military people don't even realize because as foot soldiers, you don't think about a lot of that stuff. You just think of, there's the enemy, pew, pew, that's my job. Yeah, yeah. But we, we as planners, have to look at it like, how do we get the pew, pew to that guy? Yeah. Um, because he's going to run out. He only has, a, you know, maybe a daily supply plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, how do we feed? How do we house? How do we uh, make sure he's got clean water? Um you know, how do we also we have to have a reserve force because we know he's going to get burned out after a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that uh, planning, I, I, I believe it went by the wayside just because Putin miscalculated, mostly because the intelligence he was being fed was stuff that he wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he thought that the Ukrainian military would evaporate just like they did in 2014 when they yeah. took over Donbass in the Crimea. Um, and he didn't understand that this was going to be a bigger fight for him because he was going into portions of Ukraine that were not so friendly. Yeah. Uh, because there's, they're way more ethnic Ukrainian than ethnic Russian. And then also, uh, he miscalculated because the Ukrainian military had, had done numerous or number of, uh, reforms since 2014 in order to be more lethal and more ready. And the Ukrainian military also, um, they learned a lot, and they, they had a lot of veterans of the 2014 conflict that knew how to fight the Russians now. Yeah, that's true. Um, and those, those you know, the Ukrainian military is not unlike the Russian one, which they have a very weak NCO corps. But what they had a lot was a lot of experience of fighting the Russians because the older guys in those formations knew from 2014, you know, hey, we can't do certain things because the Russians are going to target us in this way. Yeah. They also knew that, hey, they're going to roll on us heavy with tanks. Um, so this is how we're going to fight them. We're going we're to be more uh, agile. We're going to break up into smaller units. We're going to attack them in the rear areas. Um, they, they had adapted. The Russian uh, military had not. What kind of role do you think, uh, because if we really think about it, between Iraq and Afghanistan and then you look at Ukraine, what kind of role do you feel like technology as small as a cell phone and social media plays over there now on the battlefield? Because there were reports of people being targeted through the geolocation aspects and getting artilleried. Like, what do you think that plays over there? Yeah, that, so that's, a, uh, that's an interesting 
first off, that's a great question because it's huge. It is huge. This is the first uh, smartphone war in the sense that both sides are not, or both sides are very uh, technologically diverse. Um, and then you also have people that are actually able to use smartphones and have, have cell phone technology that's all set up throughout the entire country mm-hmm. um, on both ends. Uh, so, and this was actually something I was going to bring up earlier. You know, the intelligence is behind the media. Everybody's behind the, uh, the soldiers with smartphones. They can give you an accurate report, upload it to Instagram or, or Telegram or any of these other uh, uh, apps, and you can watch the war take place. Yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. Because remember when Russia pushed into Ukraine, like we were watching literally on on Twitch and stuff, streaming this, watching various live video footage from Ukrainian broadcasting, and we we were literally watching the war live. Yeah, yeah. We don't need war correspondents anymore. Whatever they're telling us has already happened. Mm-hmm. Like we that's, can watch it. That's the I, other question I wanted to push to you. Is like how accurate how accurate do you feel MSM has been reporting on this war on this conflict? I. I don't know if you want me to give a like a batting average or not. Yeah. What's yeah. what's your basic opinion on this? Like, how do you think that they're getting this? They're probably batting about uh, 300, 400. You know, I think that uh, they're heavily influenced by Ukrainian propaganda. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because of where they're co-located, who 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 they need for security is it's all Ukrainian. They're not they're not asking the Russian military to embed with. Yeah. You know, so you're going to get a one sided report. Yeah. Um, the other thing is a lot of those news reporters, at least the 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 ones that are at the mainstream media, they're not going to embed with tactical units. Yeah, no. too dangerous. They're gonna yeah the, the Anderson Coopers of the world. The, uh, <laughs> he is not going up there. Okay. No. He's no. gonna stay in the far far west. He's gonna have a toe in the sand. Yeah. And he's gonna tell you he's on the beach. Yeah. Legitimately, that's what he's gonna do because everybody he he can put on that little banner that he's in Ukraine. Yeah. But he's not in Ukraine. He's not in the thick of it. Kind of like Geraldo Rivera, like through the, uh, you remember that, the invasion of Iraq? Oh, He course. was sitting there drawing out war plans in the sand, and then they were like, yeah, you're done. Like, you're getting yeah. kicked out of the country. Yeah. Your credentials are now shredded. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, but, okay, but now, a, there's a, a lot of people that don't watch baseball, so when you say batting 300, give me a percentile out of 100%. Okay. Give me a percentage of how accurate you think they are reporting what's going on. Yeah, I was going to say 30 or 40%. Really? That bad? Yeah, I think it's that bad for the mainstream. Yeah, I think it's that bad. And you also got to look at uh, a lot of their a lot of their network sponsors. Yes. You know, it's always follow the cash. Yeah. Uh, if Lockheed Martin and uh, um, Northrop Grumman and all the other ones are, are paying for ads on Fox News, then, of course, we're going to get a rah-rah piece of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, hey, this is what's going on. Look, at, oh, man, it's been amazing. Look at all this new technology they're using. I mean, it, not to pick on Fox News because they're hey, by all means. Than, by They're no means. better than CNN or MSNBC on some of these, but yeah. you know CNN and MSNBC are covering it more for the ideological piece, mm-hmm. um, because it you know it's cool to say, oh yeah, I support Ukraine, I do all these things, and uh, you know, let me put that in my bio, uh, you know that's going to be on my Twitter bio. Yeah, I'm going to throw the flag up there and make sure everybody knows it's the flavor of the week for them. Yeah, um, you know they'll they'll go back to uh, how many boosters you need and and uh, <laughs> and. And other other cool stuff here in the, in the very near future, but 
How do you think Ukrainians felt about all that online slacktivism and the, the show of support but virtually did nothing? I think it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, for your average Ukrainian, they probably see it and they're like, well, I'm glad that you support me, but how do you support me? Exactly. We don't want to ask those questions where action is required because it's too easy, like you just said. Put it in your bio. Do some social media slacktivism. Make yourself feel. Because I remember seeing, <laughs> I remember seeing these these stupid like influencers in the wild, like standing out on like a street in New York, wearing some nice dress with a little Ukraine flag painted on their hand, looking like sultry and seductive. Like hashtag stand with Ukraine. And I'm sitting there thinking, it's like there's probably some poor troopers over there in a ditch somewhere, seeing that. Like, well, what the fuck does that good? What does that do for me? That I've I saw a meme like that. It, it was it was literally uh, you know some guys sitting in a ditch. They're like, well, I'm glad you support me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, like uh, I might get killed tomorrow, but uh, at least I'm I had this. this, this yeah. At least I had this fucking influence over there on TikTok making a video, and you know, yeah. and, and when I really knew we'd hit the, um, my God, the climax of propaganda when the Biden administration is essentially like recruiting TikTok influencers and all this, all these people to push all this pro-Ukrainian propaganda. I was like, oh, good Lord. I was like, this has just hit the like levels of cringe that I never thought we could aspire to be. Like, it, it's just insane yeah. to me. And, and it, yeah, you're right. And uh, you, I, I wish they could see what harm they actually do with that. Uh, How so? Well, because anytime that uh, you have that type of slacktivism or, or you have a, a liberal ideology that's now pinning this as the flavor of the week, you're gonna iso- you're gonna divide. And you're gonna isolate a certain part part of the population that could probably legitimately help them. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a I'm a I'm you know I'm no it's no secret on my page. I I lean conservative. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have libertarian views on a lot of stuff. And you know when I when I see somebody with purple hair on on TikTok dancing around with Ukrainian flags, like that's cringe to me. I don't yeah. I don't want to be about that. Yeah. Um, because. I've had enough life experiences to know that's not going to accomplish shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, what does accomplish it is, uh, you know, hey, contribute to a legitimate charity. Right. Um, you know, if you have the means and the capability and you want to, yeah, go over there and fight. Go get a piece if you want. Yeah. Um, you know, the U.S. government is not going to help you do that. That's on your own. But no. Um, and if you get cut off and captured like hey you're on your own yeah you you raised your right hand for you know slava ukraini but um you know that's on the you and and i i can't it, it's upsetting to watch that it becomes a political football in the united states yeah and i know the i know the average ukrainian it's also frustrating to watch that i can only imagine because it, again we've the levels of social media social media slacktivism have even impacted our own military. We still see influencers today out there posting every little single thing they're doing. And, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being proud of your service, but it gets to a point where you're like violating operational security. It's like, what is wrong with you? Like you're giving away all this information. It, it just seems like everything is about chest thumping these days. Yes. Um, I, I don't know if you saw that on my page recently. Um, we, we exposed one of them. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it, so it ended up being. Uh, I'm not going to even name drop him. He's not worth it right now. But um, a young lieutenant, you know, completely delusional. He probably. Oh, needs a, I know who you're talking probably about. Probably needs a mental evaluation of some flavor. But yeah, he's posting exactly his composition, disposition, location. Hey, send us gummy worms. Even though I'm sitting in the middle of Poland, it's a first world nation, NATO country. 
And yeah. You, well, no, you know, I do want to get into this because I feel like there's something here that the American civilian, the common, the average American civilian should be aware of because I know who you're talking about. And you don't have to mention his name, but give me the background on how this guy has become such a prominent figure of ridicule and being made fun of. And justifiably so. Like, here's the deal. Like, when I see, well, number one, where can people find you at on Instagram? Uh, they, they can search for my Instagram handle. It's at the 18 Alpha Chronicles. And there's underscores between the words. So so is it full alpha or the word, the letter A? Uh, letter A. One right, a. Spell it out for people, please. Uh, it's uh, the one eight a chronicles. The one eight a chronicles. I'll also have this posted on the um, uh, in the com or the um, the information on the podcast as well. So it'll be a direct link to your location. But this this kid, um, I've seen him circulating in the military meme community, and I, you know, I, I'm totally I have such big hands. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. Like I've called this for a very long time that the military meme community can do a lot of good in the social media realm as far as holding people accountable through bullying and hazing, because essentially that's what a lot of the military is. And it keeps people in check from getting too full of themselves, egotistical. And I've seen this guy come up on on your page, multiple pages out there. And I'm like, who is this kid? And give me a a good description of like how it started and where it's at now, because there is something to be said about anyone that embraces this type of ideology that you are just way more important. You think you're way more important than you really are. Yeah. Um, so originally the first time I ever saw him there, this was a couple years ago. Um, I, I was probably a newer page, you know, I, I created it randomly in a Fort Bragg gym and, uh, it was like, all right, I'm a meme page now because I (laughs) for, for a while and I've been sending them around at work and people are laughing and I'm like, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do a meme page because this is a green beret, ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is America's special forces who are engaging. And this is what's beautiful about it. Cause people will laugh. It's like, this is a way of fighting propaganda through means of what you're doing through memeing. Yes. Uh, well it was, we, we, we love humor. We have team room humor and we have outside humor. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes they merge. And uh, we, we like to laugh just as much as everybody else. And when we're going to be serious, we'll be serious. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we also like to laugh because it helps us digest some of the serious stuff that we've done. Yeah. Um, so, but memes, uh, yeah, it's 100%. It's a way to influence people. It's a way to uh, change narratives. It's a way to digest stuff that's uh, hard to digest. Um, it, it's through humor. Humor connects people like like almost nothing else really can and um the other the other aspect of this is that you know the the meme culture the military meme culture specifically it's like uh old school skits we used to make skits um we used to make skits on our command it was a way for us to voice concerns in a funny way that wasn't exactly like destroying our unit um it was a way for us to do that and it was also a way for us to have check, checks and balances when, let's say, you had a toxic commander. Well, we're going to make fun of him, yeah. you know, for for the next thirty minutes, and we're going to do it at his expense because we want him to change. Yeah. Um, so that is what memes are now in this day and age, where if you step outside of what we envision a leader should be, or are doing something that's uh, unsavory or illegal, you can be exposed on that in a yeah. way. That is somewhat hopefully constructive. Yeah. Um, including bullying, yeah, hazing, 
when I was in the military, not to sound like Colonel Jessup from A Few Good Men, you know, hey, this is a fine instrument. Like we should we should correct ourselves. Yeah. Um, and the community polices itself. Correct. Yeah. Uh, the best unit I was ever in uh, as a platoon leader in the infantry. M- my NCOs were allowed to correct their soldiers at mm-hmm. all times. Regardless, I mean, one thing sticks out in my head, um, and I'll, I'll make it as an example. But a one of the saw gunners left all his ammo in an aircraft on an operation. Saw gunner, squad automatic weapon. It's like the machine yep. gunner, a light machine gunner of the squad. For those that don't know, yeah. And uh, so it's kind of a vital thing. That's a lot of firepower for a platoon mm-hmm. to only have one drum or two drums of ammo. Um, and if, if you're in a, a, a combat operation, that that would be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, every single thing on that human was every single thing that he owned that could be detached from him was taped down or tied off. Mm-hmm. Every single thing, his ID card, his uh, glasses, um, his clothes were, were tied off to himself. Like everything was tied off and with with uh, with string mm-hmm. because it was teaching him a moment. And he was being bullied and hazed, if you want to use those phrases. But it was a teaching moment that he'll never ever forget. The next time he gets off an aircraft. What's going to be on him? I guarantee he'll have everything. Yeah. Did he ever make that mistake again? Right. No, 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 no. There you go. I Absolutely. want to go back to the, the guy we were talking about before, though, before we venture off topic too much. So go, give me, go, let's go back to that. Yeah. Um, so this, this, uh, this, this kid, um, he's, he's a grown man, unfortunately, but he acts <laughs> like a kid. Um, but uh, he, he popped up on my radar a couple years ago as a cadet at West Point. Um, and some of the stuff that he was talking about was just, you know, you look at it and you're, you're like, this dude, does he serve or is he serving himself? It, it was, um, he was talking about, he salutes every flag he walks past. Um, he, no flag cannot be saluted. Uh, he was talking about um, his leadership philosophy as a cadet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how you come up with a leadership philosophy as a cadet. Maybe you're in the <laughs> learn, you're, you should be in a learning mode. Exactly. Um, but no, he's writing articles about how he's uh, coming up with leadership philosophies and how he can uh, um, lead other people. But what he was failing is when you read the article, you can tell the people that, that he's he's using as, as uh, examples of his exquisite leadership are mocking him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a number of other pages that have tried to point this out. They're like, hey, you, you are living a delusional fantasy. Yeah. These people do not, they're trying to come up with ways to cope the fact that they have to listen to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, this kid is a West Point graduate, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, they, there's this also kind of uh, collides with what people have been talking about with uh, the product that West Point's been putting out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, we're kind of in that strange place where, you have this person as an example, and then you have people that are upset with where the way that West Point is going. Um, you want to talk about woke culture, kind mm-hmm. of lowering of standards, some other stuff. And they were using him as an example to cudgel, you know, that that perception mm-hmm. of lower standards. I didn't go to West Point. I have no idea. Yeah. I remember there's about man. I want to say it was like four or five years ago. I had I'd been somebody had written into my Facebook page, and I broke that story about the black West Point female West Point cadets doing the black uh, you know BLM symbol. Back then, I don't think BLM was. 
I don't even think it existed back then. But um, they were basically just, you know, using race as a divider and putting up like this black supremacy thing. That story broke, which led down this rabbit hole to where I did some phone interviews with West Pointers, interviewed them. And the cult, the woke culture over there is insane. It is insane. Like, people don't seem to understand the next generation of military has already taken over. And the officer corps has been highly infected by woke ideology. And these are the people that are leading your sons and daughters. These are diehard, educated liberals that essentially embraces woke philosophy. I mean, I would assume half these people have pronouns in their bios now, like Lieutenant he, she, they, them, whatever. So you're 100% on the money that. It's been this way for about, man, I want to say six, seven years. And West Point is now a breeding ground of liberal ideology in a military uniform. Yep, yep. Um, I... you know, I saw when I was still in, I saw one email with pronouns in the bio, and, and I'm proud to say I deleted it. <laughs> so back to this kid. So what else? He, he does this leadership philosophy. It's like, how do you develop a leadership philosophy when you've got no real world, world experience? It's like, I'm going to write a doctrine. I'm going to write tank armor doctrine. And yet I've never been in a tank and I've never been in tank warfare. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, it goes back to the fact that I, I believe that there's a mental health issue there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also believe that he was pushed along to where he is now, uh, because he, he says what higher ups want to hear. Um, he, he's able to articulate that now where he, where he goes wrong is when he grandstands, he tries to point at himself that, Hey, you know, it's more like, look at me, look at all the great stuff I'm doing. And he's embellishing, Mm -hmm. um, and people in the know are, are, are able to immediately check that. And that's where, you know, somebody sent me a message and was like, Hey, why do you keep bullying this kid? It's like, trust me, it's for his platoon sergeant Mm -hmm. because his platoon sergeant can only do so much. Yeah. Um, You know, and that's a a lot of people I know on the civilian side of the house won't understand, but it, you have a young officer um, with no experience Mm -hmm. and you have a non-commissioned officer who's actually subordinate to him in that setting that has ample experience and it's a interesting relationship because the young person with no experience is technically in charge of the one with all the experience. Yeah. But, and I know you know this, but there is a, a, a relationship that needs to be built there in which, you know, the lieutenant is able to learn, but also able to be in charge of the unit. Yeah. And the uh, platoon sergeant is able to influence that lieutenant in a constructive way to develop them as a better leader and officer. Mm-hmm. And then, but the platoon sergeant is also technically in charge of the unit. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, that's, everybody's looking at him for what's going to happen next. And at the end of the day, though, whatever that lieutenant says, that platoon sergeant's going to have to do. Correct. Yeah. And that's yeah. why it's dangerous. So people don't realize, like, that young lieutenant. So that young lieutenant, he's in Poland now, right? I'm not going to put all this stuff out there, but he okay. already did. So, yeah. Well, yeah, he already did. Yeah, didn't he write a letter <laughs> talking about, like, I mean, dude, because I saw you post it, and I read it, and, dude, it had these vibes of, like, my dearest Martha, I am over here fighting the great fight against the yeah. great red. But, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, that's wh- what? Why, so so the, just because he acts that way, that's why the, the higher-ups love it, man. They're like, wow, man, he's like a, you know, my dearest Martha, I'm going to be sent to the, the lions in Latvia soon. <laughs> he legitimately said that. Like, I'm going to the front. It's like, no, you're not. What are you talking about, man? Look at the, look at the map. <laughs> it sounds like he's wanting all this glory, but it's, it's these types of people though. And you know, it's, it's a joking matter for now, but under fire, 
I've, I'm sure you've had this experience under fire. Those types of leaders will get you killed. They will yeah. get men killed because I had a lieutenant similar to that in Afghanistan who he had this Rolodex of plays in his mind, but he could never pick the right one. And I remember we were in a point where we were in an ambush. It was a bad ambush. And he basically told us to get out of the vehicles, dismount. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And we do, and then we get hammered for 10 minutes, and he looks at me. I never forget this. He looks at me. He goes, Sergeant Burke, what do we do? And I was like, dude, I just want to shoot you so fucking bad. I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, you you put us – anyway, I don't want to go down that road, but that's the example of what these types of leaders can do because they, they have this ego, this yep. ego that wants to drive them forward. They're the ones that want to win medals at the expense of soldiers' lives. Yeah, and I would recommend any young leader, you need to go read one book. The Men, the Mission, and Me. Oh, okay. I've never heard that, of that one. That is the one. Um, it is, it's written by a former uh, Delta Force officer. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, he, he really breaks it down. It's like, hey, the men, the mission, then me. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's, that is the best philosophy to look at. It, we're in a weird society because it's like, it's me, then maybe the men or the mission. We'll figure that out. But yeah. Oh, I see a lot of that going around. I see a lot of that going around. It's a very prevalent, uh, prevalent thing right now. And and just like you're you're talking about, hey, you're paid to make a decision. Yeah. You need to be separated enough from the action to make that decision properly. Yeah. That that is your only job. You know, having men dismount trucks that are armored in a firefight is probably not a good idea. Yeah. Um, especially when you have, uh, you know, heavy weapons that are <laughs> in the middle bombs. of an ambush. Yeah. And then yeah. It, it's just, you know, and again, I was, I was the, uh, senior NCO on the ground the platoon sergeant was back on the OP. So it was me and the Lieutenant and the Lieutenant did not listen, but either way I got to follow his orders. I can't disobey an order. I'm, I'm, my, I'm done. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that a lot of people in the, the regular world really understand that relationship yeah. and that's, yeah. and legitimately for this, for this kid, uh, I feel sorry for his platoon sergeant. And mm -hmm. that's the that's the guy I want to support, and that's the guy I want to. Uh, if he's out there, give me, send me a DM, talk <laughs> to me. There you go. Maybe well, we can maybe we can work together. But uh, my, I'm not trying to usurp him. I'm just coming up with a solution here. Maybe we, yeah. maybe we work together. You know, maybe there's something he'll listen to. I think that's a good that's a good tactic to take. Say, look, the bullying will stop if you at least come to the the table and discuss some of these things to where you can be better. And I think that's a very good that's a very good stance for you to take though because that's like saying I don't want to keep making fun of you I want you to fix yourself for the sake of your troops. Yeah, and and I think it's already kind of happened. I think that his uh, his unit has has probably put some sort of discipline in there. Mm -hmm. um, and and legitimately that's that's why memes can be constructive because we're bringing an awareness to a problem. It just does worry me though sometimes when we get the wrong target. Yes, and you know? that has happened. Yeah. Um, you know, generally now I, I don't I don't jump on anything unless yeah, unless yeah. I see some sort of overlap or there's some sort of uh, it's like anything, you know, um, would we execute uh, a raid on a single source of intelligence? No. Yeah. No, yeah. we wouldn't. That's, we, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's, you gotta have, yeah. For those who don't know, so you have to have multiple sources of intelligence that don't know each other, giving very similar accounts. It's like, okay, there's something here. Where there's smoke, there's fire. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to just go because some random person on the street said, hey, there's a bad dude over there. Yeah. When realistically, that's his uh, stepbrother, and mm -hmm. he hasn't paid him you know, yep. $15,000, and he owes him back taxes and everything else. Well, brother, I appreciate you coming on here and giving us this inside information. Um, once again, where can they find you at? Spell it out one more time. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at 
the underscore one eight a underscore chronicles. And you post a lot of great content out there. You definitely keep people in the know. And it's I appreciate you for what you do because I know you still have a lot going on in your life um, and all these other military memes out or meme pages that uh, a lot of them are active duty. And they take it upon themselves to bring about good social reform by holding toxic leaders accountable by essentially putting out the information that needs to get out there for the public to see. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I got originally I got turned on to you a while ago. We had uh, we also had some mutual friends. And then, uh, hey, I use Delta 8 to go to sleep every night. So, uh, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by. <laughs> yeah, send it. Yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you right now, the VA system. Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> hey, let's talk socialism, baby. Let's talk government-run healthcare. It's like all the people that are dealing with this are sitting here going, guys, you're wrong. Like, you're wrong. We're dealing with this, and we're telling you it's garbage. Yeah, if I had Delta, if I was able to use Delta 8 while I was in, I would have been a much better person. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the simple fact, you know, you look at PTSD, you look at what guy, yeah. anxiety, are they sleeping at night? Um, it. Yeah, it, it, was I sleeping at night? Not really. Like yeah. I was just thinking about what I was going to do the next day and trying to fall asleep, and I couldn't relax. And now I'm on Delta Eight. I'm like, man, you know, I feel like I'm in the mattress. That makes me so happy to hear that, dude. Because you know, launching this because I was a big, I was like, CBD doesn't do shit. And then I actually tried it, and I, I publicly had to eat my words. Like I was wrong. I didn't understand what I was talking about. I demonized it because. I just felt like I knew, and then I tried it. It's like, no, it's like this can revolutionize the veteran world as far as getting these dudes off of opioids, getting them on the path of recovery to where, like, even Kratom, and it, it, Kratom can do so much good out there. I mean, it does have addictive properties, but we've seen Kratom get hetero, or, uh, hetero, Jesus, uh, heroin addicts off of uh, the hard slip. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Bush with Iraq, I mean, with homosexuality. There we go. Uh, it's just, it's, it does, it's done wonders and I, I want to get it in more veterans hands. And that's why, you know, we try and hook up as many veterans as we can, because unfortunately there's a lot of veterans that come with, they're trying to pull one over on us. And it's like, well, I'm a combat veteran. It's like, wait, we've already given you free products. Like, I'm sorry, but this yeah. is a business we're already marking it down as much as we can. But that makes me really happy to hear that it's helped you because it's done wonder. I love Delta eight. Like I, I do. I love it. Yeah. It, I'm, you know, I've never, I never wrote you a review, but I'm giving you one now. And like, it, no, it means a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, I, and I didn't even ask you to just for the record. I did not ask no. him to do this. So no, thank he you. never did. I, you know, I'm, I'm just a, uh, a hidden customer, <laughs> you know, in, in legitimately, like I, I've, I've recommended it to uh, family as well. I'm like, Hey, why don't you just try this and see what happens? And I've never heard anybody complain. That's awesome. Dude, I got members of Congress taking it too. I can't give their names out, but they've, they've hit me up. And they're like, I take your shit. It's like, Oh fuck. Okay. That's awesome. I do. We've got active duty people taking our stuff. Um, and I warn them. It's like, you know, don't take Delta eight, but you can take the CBD. It's illegal, but they don't test for it. So yeah. especially like the rack out gummies, like in the veteran world, like Jesus, when we had these things manufactured, I told our manufacturers like, uh, I want 15 milligrams of CBD and I want five milligrams of melatonin because anything over five gram or milligrams, like your body doesn't process. Right. And he was like, are you sure? That's pretty strong. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't know my following. They're primarily veterans. Like we don't sleep. Like we are, we run off of nicotine, caffeine, and fucking hate. I was like, yeah. that's how it is. So, and it's been, it's been a lot of help. It's been really helpful to a lot of people out there. So thank you for that review, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you. No, I, I, anytime there's a good product, I'm all, I'm about it. Um, you know, like I, I, I see, you see it all the time that everybody wants a, a, a cut or, Hey, I want this, I want that. And it's just like, you know, if you make a good product, it'll sell. 
Yeah, that's true. It'll sell. That's true. Yeah. Um, and, and there's no way around that. And you can't just throw, you know, combat made by combat yeah. veteran. It's like, yep. no, that, that was made in China, dude. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not, that's, that's not, unless the combat veteran is in China. Yeah. <laughs> I said combat veteran. I didn't say which nationality. So it's not like, yeah. no. Well, the uh, only thing that we have imported from China are these skulls that we put our dark matter in because we could, dude, I tried so hard. Like even with the, um, the materials used when I was doing tankers and stuff like, fuck me, dude, I was scrounging around the country trying to do my best to find anything. Number one, is it veteran? Can I get something from a veteran company? And it's like more chances are they're not. And then can I get something from an American company? trying to track down these skull tinctures it was impossible so we had to go out of china it's like i can't i can't there's no other way I, so I, I hear that yeah outside of that there's everything else is made right here in america so i'm really happy for that which you know my partner and i were talking today uh and we were like inflation or this Biden administration it's killing us like it is no friend to small businesses like they are they yeah. are raking us over the coals man yeah, and and you know I I jumped into the apparel world and I'm seeing it firsthand too. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, where's your website? You sell it's, like, it's on my it's on my page. You've had some. You went after Patagonia, which was uh, really good. You know I can't I can't uh, yeah. uh, specifically discuss that right uh, now. Okay, we'll we'll veer away from that. But I saw that whole fiasco unfold and I was kind of like, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Hey. The fight continues. That's all. <laughs> you want you you should like you would really think like some of these bigger large companies like okay calm down like really are you really that concerned? Yeah, but I get it. I get it though because that's somebody's brand. I get it. I I get it too. I I think where I took issue is that um, you know they're they don't own the word and yeah. the designs were very different. Yeah, and that's yeah. where I took issue and you know I'm trying to. The fight continues, I guess. We're going to try and put it in the rear view for now. We'll, we'll see. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's all legal stuff at this point. But um, but they can support you. So if you go to your Instagram, I imagine the link's in the bio where they can go. Because uh, you sent me some merch, too. I've got your sweater still, which is really badass. Um, you can go support. Because a lot of these guys, like these meme accounts, they're doing this because it's a passion of theirs. And so you can support them through their merch. And it, it goes a long way whether people realize that or not. And I've yeah. actually seen yeah. your shirts. I saw, I remember I messaged you. I saw one in an airport. I could tell, like, this guy was, like, ODA. He's like, yeah, that's clear as day. But either way, it was like, that's still badass to see a military meme page doing something like that and then seeing the support they garnish as a result of that. And that's how it should be. That's exactly how it should be. Yeah, and uh, I... When people buy stuff, I'm like, I can't believe they're buying this. But <laughs> here's the thing. Like, I put a lot of time into it because, like, I wanted to make something that's cool, that people yeah. enjoy. Yeah. And and I wanted to make sure that none of my stuff came from China. So instead, it comes from Central America. Or potentially, <laughs> maybe somebody will stay there and not come to the southern border so we can benefit in that way. Yeah, there you go. and that's hard. People don't realize that because if you go American made on a lot of these products, you got to mark it up and people are not going to drop 35, 40 bucks for a t-shirt. They just no. won't do it. So you have to outsource. And that's where when it comes to economics, a lot of, I think, American citizens are left in the dark because like, well, I'm not paying 30 bucks for American made. It's like, well, that's what the cost of it is now because these businesses, yeah. especially right now during inflation, they're passing along this inflation down to the consumer. They're not eating those costs. The consumer will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I sell a shirt. I, even though they're paying some of the shipping, mm -hmm. I'm eating that because the shipping prices are so through the roof now. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, man, this guy's making all this money. Uh, and really? No, not really. Even after taxes. Yeah. You're, you're... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know you feel my pain. I know you feel my pain. Oh, yeah, that that uh, that hurt. That hurt. 
It does. Because it's like, wait, it would be different if the government was actually worth a shit and we were seeing some ROI on this money they're taking from us, but we're not. No, no, we're, we're, we're completely raked over the coals. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would more so say we're getting raped over the coals is what it is. Yeah. I just, I, man, I, you know, it's such a, such a hard word. Yeah. Um, I don't want to feel like I was violated in that way. I still feel violated this way. I don't care. Like, I feel like I'm getting fucked left and right. It's like, the Bohica green weenie continues. <laughs> like you thought you were done with it in the military. Like, no, you're getting it. You're getting fucked even when you're a civilian and you try and start a business. That's why I take Delta eight. <laughs> I, I just want to forget it. <laughs> but, That's but why you, I go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, well, I do that too. And good by for the way, you. good for you, man. Good I, for you. I'm a huge, huge advocate. Like I couldn't so many guys. I'm just like, Hey man, just go to therapy, please. Oh yeah. Yeah. Please. And they're like, oh, I ain't doing that freaking shit. That's for, that's for, Pussies that's for and, uh, losers. Yeah, I ain't going there. And I used to be that guy. I was like, ah, uh, I'm a, yeah. that ain't for me. How old are you? Well, you don't have to tell me, but like, are you in your 30s, I'd imagine? Yeah. All right, so same here. And I, yeah, we were raised in that culture of alpha male, and I hate saying it because people take it and they make a progressive spin, but toxic masculinity in the sense of don't be a bitch, just deal with your shit like a man. It's like, no, that's not accurate. And I feel like- yeah. Therapy is very misrepresented because you're not going in there to just cry about your problems. You're going in there to talk about your problems, and that therapist is going to give you tools on how to deal effectively with those problems and cope. And people don't see that other side of it. It's like, no, I was in therapy for six months after Afghanistan, and it did wonders. It it really did. And you're 100% on the money. I'm happy to hear you say that, dude, because a lot of people— a lot of these influencers never talk about that stuff because it's like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking, I did this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, but how are you dealing with this? Well, I drink a lot and beat my wife. It's like, well, that's not really effective. No, no, that's not. And and we and we see the problems with it, you know, substance abuse, yeah, uh, uh, yeah violence. Like, it, it, it's always going to be there. And back in the day, I mean, you, you, I know it's one of your products, but, like, back in the day, they just, just oh, that guy's shell-shocked. He's crazy. Yeah, yep. He's crazy. That's why we. That's why I named the company what I wanted. It, I want. I wanted it named that because when people see when they hear shell shocks, they're like, "What?" It's like, yeah, it's veteran owned. The whole premise of the company was to deal with PTSD, and we never really made it. I didn't want to make it the mainstream marketing tactic because I did want this get this in the hands of civilians because you'd be foolish to just try and operate on like two percent of the population. Mm-hmm. But that's why I named it Shell Shock. I was like, I want people to have that kind of buzzword. Like, wait, what? It's like, yeah. I was like, this stuff has done wonders for my PTSD. It's done wonders for all this stuff. And, and, you know, that's the reason why we went that direction with it. Well, I mean, I, I like it. Uh, it obviously has a connection to war and and yeah. uh, and, and the con- mental conditions and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, I, I couldn't advocate more. But it was towards the later end of my career that I actually realized, like, hey, I got a problem. Yeah. Um, well, if you don't mind me asking, and I know we're totally going off topic here, which I don't care. I love podcasts doing that. What, what were some of these factors that you identified about yourself where you started to understand that, hey, I do have a problem? Um, you know, easily angered, um, you like, uh, let's see, uh, unable to sleep, a lot of anxiety. Um, it, you know, I know everybody uses the stereotypical, oh, loud noise and all this stuff. No, no. no. Yeah. Hypervigilance. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you, I would have hypervigilance, but I wouldn't have, you know, if a loud noise came off, like, no, that didn't bother me so much. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was stuff like that, you know. But the biggest thing is is relationship issues. Oh God, tell me about it. Tell me about it, bro. Yeah. And and you see these guys and and you can just tell like they're hurting. You can yeah. just tell. 
you could tell their wife is hurting. You yeah. could tell it or significant other, whoever. Um, and, and yeah, it, it sticks with you. And he, I, I hate to use it, but, uh, every single guy, especially in soft or special operations, they're, they're like icebergs, you yeah. know, what they're going to give you, what you see above mm-hmm. the waterline is not what you're going to see below there. Mm-hmm. Um, because all the, all the bad shit that they, that they, these guys are highly, highly adaptable and able mm-hmm. to compartmentalize and infantry too. Yeah. Um, they compartmentalize everything, but at some point that cup's going to overflow. It's yes. Like a, it's mm-hmm. like a, uh, you know, it's like a, a pot on the, uh, on the stove. Like you fill it up with water and just walk away. Like, yeah. Okay. It's going to blow up eventually. I'm, I'm happy to hear this say this because again, you've been around, you were enlisted, you were what regular infantry, then you went, uh, special forces and you commissioned, I assumed. Uh, so I, I, I was enlisted and then I, I eventually I commissioned and then okay. I was infantry and then I went to special forces. Okay. So you've been around, you've done it all. And to hear someone like you come out and say something like this, that means a lot because it's like even the spec ops community, you know, no man is an Island unto himself. I don't care who you are. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. how hard of ass you think you are. You are a human being. You have a functional brain. You have emotions. You do have to deal with this. You cannot just sit on it and then expect to have where I like how you said relationship issues, same here, same here to where I started yeah. in my, my mid to late thirties. I started to understand it's like, I do have some issues with relationships. It's hard for me to open up. It's hard for me to allow myself to be soft with somebody because you feel like maybe they're going to take advantage of you. Maybe they're going to, they're going to make fun of you being vulnerable in that aspect. It's something that we're not trained on doing. So that's why therapy has been very instrumental in developing and crafting good functional relationships. And I know now not to give away too much of your business, like you, you've got somebody and she, you seem very happy. Yeah, no, I, I, I am, but I still have, I still have lingering problems like anybody, you know, yeah. uh, expressing emotion, telling people yeah. that I, that I care, um, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of that, it goes back to trauma because mm-hmm. when traumatic things are happening, I was always trained. You're going to be the calmest guy in the room. Yes. If you're not the calmest guy in the room, you're not thinking clearly. If you're not thinking clearly, people are dying. If yeah. you're not, if people are dying, you're you're failing. Yeah. Um. And and that's the biggest fear. My biggest fear ever in life has always been failure. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, you you look at that and and you try to impress that on other people, and you're like, listen, this is this is normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you should be mm-hmm. you should be seeing just like anything. You break your arm, where do you go? You go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're certainly not the VA, <laughs> well, they're gonna, they're gonna hop you up with a bunch of opioids and give probably, you a splint and send you out the door with some, yeah. uh, some, uh, Tylenol that or probably amputate one of the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I came in for a broken egg. I was like, ah, pull the plug. Like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I got COVID. Uh, well, no, we'll help you. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that though, because yeah, it's, it's hard. I was uh, a friend of mine just started her medical career and the other day she had had a very hard go of it um, dealing with uh, some patients that had passed and you know we had talked and she's like yeah I'm 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 coping with it and I said if you don't mind for me giving you some advice you've got to experience those emotions it doesn't make you a bad person it does not make you weak but you've got to experience those emotions because it's going to help you develop those emotional calluses and you're going to have to remember that what your mission is, is far more important than what you're feeling. Like you're, you're actually making a difference. You're saving lives. You're helping people. And if you lose one, then batter up. What's the next one? Let's keep going. Like you just don't stop. But it's like, 
you certainly can't just compress it and not deal with it. You do have to deal with it eventually. Yep. Yeah, you're you're 100 right. You know, you if you don't deal with it, then you're gonna on your terms. Yeah. It's gonna be dealt with not yeah. on your terms. Yeah, 100. percent And it's like until you do hit that, be prepared. And I'm not trying to apply this to everybody, but. If you know if you're a veteran listening to this and you're going through a lot of hard times, look back at the the route you took and see how much of it is paved with heartbreak, loss, pain, misery. That's the route you chose. You can change it. You can divert. And yep. maybe it starts with you taking some personal accountability and say, "I need to go get help." That that is that's the key. You yeah. have to admit you got an issue. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And well, yeah, it's and who knows how many years down the, you know, I kicked the can, shit. I kicked the can for almost a decade. Yeah. And it was just making it happen. Like, hey, I'm gonna next thing up. I'm gonna I'm gonna invest in work mm-hmm. because work helps me not think about what the hell I got going on personally. Yeah. And I'm just gonna be a workaholic and just work myself to death and yeah. just invest in that. And mm-hmm. it and that's not healthy. Work. Yeah. It doesn't work. No. no. I've seen that so much with veterans and even non-veterans, like people that have underwent, you know, sexual trauma, things such as that. They're very successful in the business world, but it's like, yeah, but you've poured yourself into that, but. That um, closet that you locked and you hit all those demons in, eventually you're going to have to unlock it. And when you're older, it gets harder. It gets more and more difficult. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you completely. I could not advocate more for it. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate all the insights. And I didn't plan on we didn't plan on talking about some of the stuff, but uh, I love I love free flow conversations like that because I think it's very it's it's real, it's raw, and I think a lot of people it resonates with them. So. Yeah, I, I hope so. I appreciate you having me on. You know, I listen to you all the time, and and sometimes I'm uh, laughing in the gym with headphones on, and <laughs> enjoying myself. And I'm like, man, he's he's on one today. Fuck yeah, dude! I'm sucking at the I'm sucking at the spigot of white rage, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that fucking right white white rage, man! I'm still trying to understand the extremism in my in my heart. Oh, you're, good lord! You're an extremist. You need to accept it. Oh my uh, gosh. I hope that there's a little uh, fact checker right at the bottom. <laughs> That's why we couldn't stream this live, folks. We couldn't stream this live because I figured somebody's going to pull it down. All right. Hey, I, I, I appreciate your time, man. And, and uh, I love the business. And, and anytime you ever want me back on, you, you let me know. Absolutely, man. Well, you be safe out there. Thank you. Later, bro.